Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of The Laughing Mind. If my voice sounds strange to you, it's because my my mouth and throat decided to do some construction work without notifying me ahead of time, so I'm trying to keep it low and easy today. Uh, but this episode is a guest episode with Dr. Val Stacy. She is a practicing mental health clinician and a good friend of mine. And we had such a fun time talking about the two realms of mental health and comedy. And we got into the the practice of self-compassion. We talked about professional tickling. We talked about what it's like being on both sides of the chair in therapy. Um, kind of the, the art and science, that balance that is mental health therapy. Um, she is just such a warm-hearted kind person she's an amazing clinician who she just doesn't take herself too seriously while still serving her clients so so well um so again forgive my voice it doesn't sound this bad on the recording and uh enjoy this episode with dr val stacy This is the Laughing Mind Podcast. And now your host, Ethan Tuxel. The the hill that people want to die on. Right. Is if someone else is gay. I just, like right. and I grew up very religious, so I did Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, very, <laughs> very uh like not not like Southern Baptist, like Baptist, New England Baptist Christian. Okay. So I remember when I was like 18 or 19 having the internal thought like, man, I don't know how I could have a conversation with someone who, who's gay. I was worried. Oh, wow. I was, yeah. Because it's like, oh, I'm supposed to like do something with that for them. And now it's the complete opposite oh. where it's like, I don't think I could have a conversation with myself, but like someone who's gay, I don't oh. care at all. Right, right. But there's that like feeling of I need to. Yeah, to like help them yes. or save them Correct. or something. Oh yeah, right, right. Yeah, that's true. That's a heavy burden. Yeah, it is. That's exactly what it is. Because lots of us don't want saved. <laughs> <laughs> some of us are just fine the way we are. That's right. Right. That's oh, right. Man. I had uh, another comedian on, and he said all the fun people are in hell, and I was like, oh yeah, all the fun For people sure. are in hell. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, they are. So, this is the Laughing Mind podcast. My my podcast of trying to merge two of my loves, mental health and comedy. Um, so Val, who is a good friend of mine, we worked together for, I don't know, two or three years. I think we were there together. It's hard to tell because there was a pandemic in there That's somewhere. That's true. <laughs> so we didn't see each other for probably a year, a year and a half. Right. And we weren't like in the same team. Right. Um, or the same wall. Right. No, we didn't share a wall. <laughs> uh, but Val's a psychologist. Well. Once I pass the licensing exam. Okay. Right now I'm a... What, what would you call it? Uh, I have a doctorate in psychology. Right. And you practice psychology. Like you practice counseling. Yes. What's and your... yet you, it's like being an engineer or an architect. You can't call yourself that until you pass the licensing exam. So but aren't you still a, a doctor? Like, But we can call you a doctor? Y- you could. I, I'm, I'm not I a real will. doctor. Well, <laughs> not a medical doctor. No, but you have a doctorate. But yes. Yes. Right. So I could be... Yes, it right. could be Dr. Val. Yeah. And yet, yes. But soon to be a psychologist, so. That's awesome. But I'm, luckily, I'm very, very young, and I have my whole life ahead whole of me. Whole life so, ahead right. of you. Yeah. 60, 70, 80 more years. Right. Like <laughs> <at least. laughs> one of my One of my favorite things about you and, the, like, and what I knew about you is, like, we worked in a community mental health environment that, to say the least, could be a stressful and oppressive environment. I don't know what you're referring to. <laughs> I am sorry, but I have been given strict rules not to engage in this type of conversation. No. Okay, all right. You're right. No, it, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. It yeah, was no. very stressful, yes. Very st- so, like, yes. I felt like um, one. I, I had a client years ago when I was doing family-based who said, I've never met people who swear more than therapists. <laughs> and And I loved how, like, we would just be in the kitchen and there was just, like, honesty. Right. Like you, you just kind of exude that, like, I'm not trying to put on something. I'm not trying to be this like 
put together strong therapist you were just like this is fucking nuts <laughs> <laughs> and that was like that was those are the breaths of fresh air in that eight to ten hours where you're just like what is what is happening here so i just so appreciated that honesty oh, and that that this levity that you would bring thank you ethan i i would look forward to seeing you and you would always have something humorous to say about it right you would have find humor in something that you know because it yeah just the stress of you know and the relief of being able to go to the kitchen for two right. minutes to clean your coffee maker or right. do whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah, I always have my French press <laughs> right, wherever right. I go. Clean your French press. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and I think that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about was like, how have you found that humor has helped in the trenches of working in mental health? And I say trenches is not about... I mean, it's somewhat about the clients, but it's really just about the industry, like that is a larger scale of, um, and we will get into that, just what that's like on, on kind of pull the curtain back for people. Cause like, I don't think most people who aren't therapists know what it's like. Um, but how have you found humor and laughter and comedy to be, what has that been for you in this process? Yeah, that's, that's interesting <laughs> it's a good question and i ha i sometimes don't think about it well so i think you know our clients often we see people who as you know and and you know now we see people who come in with ostensibly you know i don't know anxiety or something sure. right or depression the classic things that people get diagnosed with right mm -hmm. and then as you dig deeper it's like oh my gosh there's trauma upon trauma upon trauma mm -hmm. and um or sometimes things that you that i used to see when i was in mobile that mm -hmm. we wouldn't even know about until we got to the home there might oh, be like yeah. really bad hoarding or something like that and you don't even know about it because that's not you know you, you don't see it and that really takes a long time to come up if ever right <clears throat> so right. there are like these layers of so many traumatic things that have happened and i think it's just I, I get, I think it's just a survival mechanism in a way, you know, to, but then I'll notice clients too, who, especially in the group that I do, that's kind of a, you know, IOP, you knew the, the IOPs. Yeah. Intensive outpatient group. Program. Yep. Right. Yeah. And now it's just, you know, so mine is light and it's two days a week for people who don't. Yeah. They're kind of like scaling down. Right. 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 And so it's folks just out of the hospital and so on. Mm -hmm. And some of the clients have the most hilarious senses of humor. No, it's not. The, and they don't use it as a defense mm -hmm. against working on things. Right. They use it just, they're just funny sometimes, yeah. right? And we're still looking at deep things, but then there'll be something that everybody just, you know, that will break up the group. And mm -hmm. to a person, everyone will laugh. Yeah. You know, and it's not that they're just, you know, and, and no one's offended by it. And it's not like mm -hmm. this person's making fun of me. It's just funny. So yeah. I can't really, I don't think that answers your question. That's okay. But it's, <laughs> yeah. But, but I don't really, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what, um, I'm not sure of the ingredients of it. Right. But it's right. But it's part of it. Right. And I think that it, it comes to, it has to do with genuineness mm. also, you know, which, you can tell, I remember years ago, uh, a supervisor saying you can't have a stick up your ass and work in community mental health, mm -hmm. you know, which is certainly true. Right. And so, um, and I think it's obvious that, you know, I don't, I don't make inappropriate remarks to clients. Sure. I don't joke inappropriately with clients, but, and I think I appear hopefully calm and cool and collected right. with clients. Right. And yet... I don't act like I've never had a struggle, right? Yes, right. I try to remember what um, Connie Fisher at, at Duquesne, who was a really good professor, and she specialized in assessment and so on, mm -hmm. and she always said, for whose sake are you saying or doing whatever it is? Yes, you know? yes. And I try to keep that in mind, but um, when things happen organically, especially in a group yes. or in the room, it's so, it's just so good. Yeah, you know? Well, and, and how many people in those rooms are missing genuine human connection in their lives? 
and and either the people in their lives are manipulative or they're stuck in these like gridlock patterns or like we i mean we worked with like some of the population was like you know they were homeless or they were like struggling with just very like base level human needs and so that i feel like that humanization is even more important i just feel like i'm i'm a person right that's a really good point and that i'm a person and this person gets me yeah and they value me and they don't have all of these preconceived ideas of me and they don't know me in any other way other than what i'm telling them i you know who who i'm presenting as in this chair yeah and the and you brought up another good point that i love whenever someone's on that is in the psychology world you like all of us but like you see and witness horrific things that people have gone through every day with them they sit in your office and they tell you what is either happening or what has happened and that is no small thing you know whether like i i think about like er nurses or doctors who like see you know this pain come in and have to deal with it and then move on to the next one I had, I mean, like I think about, I had a, I had a guy who was a refugee, had been trying to get his citizenship for ten years, and it was like suicidal, and then he leaves, and the next person come in, is like, you know, they, you know, been sexually assaulted and are like stuck in that place, and then here's the next, like, right. So like, I don't know, what do you, what do you do with that? How do you keep your head above water as a person? I go to the kitchen and I look for you, and you're gone. <laughs> and and gone. now I'm like, oh my god, Ethan, where's Ethan? I'm hiding. That I'm hiding in that a... little shower, that nasty shower. <laughs> the shower with with the rubber ducky yeah. mat in it or something. Have that, you ever no. showered in there? No. I've thought about it. I never. I have. thought about it too. But you got to explain the shower a little bit. Okay, so so that... so there's um where we where we worked. There isn't like a common room. There isn't like a place for the employees to hang out. There's just a kitchen. You walk in the kitchen and then there's a bathroom in the kitchen. So if you're like going to the bathroom and you hear someone come in, you're like, you got to keep it real quiet because <laughs> you don't want them to hear. And, and in this bathroom is this like nasty, slimy shower with it had like a bath mat hanging over it, right? Like this yes. ratty gray yes. bath mat. It had, yeah. And there was some kind of rubber ducky themed yep. thing. Yep. I, I forget if the shower curtain. Is that or what? But there was something having remember. to do with rubber ducky. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, like, this wouldn't be a bad idea. Like, if people rode their bike to work, yeah. they could somehow get here early and take a shower. And mm-hmm. then I'm like, oh, God, no. Not no, here. No, no, not here. And then you'd have to lock the door, lock the door to the kitchen or something, and yeah. then lock the door to the bathroom. Right. And then take your clothes in. And, yeah. 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 And, and you want to leave a shower cleaner than when you entered, <laughs> right? You don't. <laughs> it was so strange, though. Like, what? And no one knew. What, what the story was on the shower, nope. except apparently once it leaked and everyone's office underneath got, got right. flooded. But, right. Yeah. But so. so so that's not an option. Can't oh, do that. My. So what keeps me sane yeah. now, your question? Yeah. That's a good question. I think uh, hmm. there is, I mean, and there's not a whole lot of time. You're right. No, and it's, it's so yeah. quick. It's so quick. And then with the pandemic, too, there's been like, you know, everybody has a little more stress in their mm-hmm. lives, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so some of the people we're seeing might also be like doctors or nurses who have all kinds of, you know, um, who have trauma yeah. that's been compounded by the pandemic. I don't know. I think, I think part of what keeps me sane is knowing that after I leave, there will be someone else there. Mm-hmm. And our clients are so much more resilient than even they realize, yeah. right? And they have seen, by the time they've seen me, many of them have seen like six other therapists or yeah. maybe 10. Yeah. And, it, and you know, and I also don't get too flattered when they say how much they love me and so on. Of course, that's all true. If they don't like me, they just don't They understand. don't get it. Right. They don't get right. it. <laughs> but the ones who love me, those they, are the good clients. Yeah, they get no. it. <laughs> right. But it's like, I don't get too caught up in that because then it's also sort of, well, I can never leave because then yeah. letting all these people down and who else could possibly do this? Oh, there'll be more people. There's a whole... Mm-hmm. Bus unloading right behind me of <laughs> brand new therapists ready yeah. to fill the gap. 
So I, I don't know what keeps me sane. Well, so so there's like a detachment. There's like a healthy detachment that you're talking about. Yes, I think I think so. And also knowing that, yeah, I mean, these folks before they ever saw any therapist, they had skills that mm-hmm. they didn't even realize. That, right. And maybe they weren't the healthiest all the time, but they survived. Yes. Right. And they will survive again. And they're getting something out of. You know, it's funny when we talk about teaching skills, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're not dealing with dogs, no offense. We're not <laughs> dealing with dogs no. or monkeys or whatever. We're dealing with human beings. Right. So I think much, most of what they get is connection with another human being, yeah. you know? And hopefully we teach skills and so on also, but it's also just, you know, the human connection, as mm-hmm. you pointed out. Yeah. There is a, um, I don't, I can't remember if I've talked about this on here, but they're like professional cuddlers. Have you ever heard of that? I have not. They're, so like obviously there's people who are in like sex work, but this is not that. This is people who like go to your house and cuddle with you. And, I was, and just like that genuine human connection. I was like, I don't know. It sounds pretty. Some of those days would be that working. I'd be like, it sounds pretty good. Right. Uh, Ethan, I just remembered I have to be somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I have a phone call. Yeah, I have a, I have a seven o'clock. I'll be right <laughs> That's so wild. Isn't that weird? Yeah. It's there strange. Was, there was a time when I was looking for gig work, you know, so I went through Craigslist looking for gig work and I found, like, I actually drove an ice cream truck for a short time, which no. was really interesting. Yeah, oh. that was pretty cool. But there was someone on there advertising, I believe, it, I think it was the tickler who was advertising that they wanted to tickle, or they wanted to be tickled. It was the tickly. Yes. They wanted to hire someone to tickle them. The tickler. Not seeking a tickler. <laughs> seeking a tickler. Right. <laughs> tickly seeking tickler. $50 for like... Half an hour or something. And I'm Half like, an hour? That's a long time a to get lo- tickled without going crazy. Maybe it was 10 minutes. I might have made up the time. <laughs> I'm bad with time. I don't know. Could have been 10 minutes. There, There is, this is so weird, but there's a documentary called Tickled, I think. And it's about this like underground tickling ring. You, ha- I'm not making, that sounds like a joke. Oh, um, yeah, but that's a, I mean, like. I don't know. Uh, if I wanted to be tickled, I wouldn't feel comfortable asking my friends, like, hey, what, yeah. are, you, what are you doing Friday? Right. You got 13 minutes for me? <laughs> and it serves a purpose. It's like a clean thing, right? You just yeah. get tickled. And the, as long as there's no funny stuff. Right. And I guess these, maybe the tickler comes with credentials. You know, they're, <laughs> they're, they're vetted. Certified. They're <laughs> yeah. Went to Johns Hopkins tickling. Right. right. Yeah. But that's that's a strange thing too. Just all of those sub genres of what yeah. people enjoy, and and like like you said, there's nothing wrong with it, right? I, but uh, but it's I still think it's strange. I'm not gonna pretend it's not strange. Twenty years from now, they will carve you up and say, "Look at Ethan." I'm gonna get tickling canceled. Tickling was the thing, right? Ah! You'll be canceled in twenty years, and they'll be like That'll- tickling. Was the thing, and this guy just didn't get it. Yeah, he did not understand. Yeah, well, that's but okay. you did. You if said I, it was okay. If I go down for that, I go down. <laughs> you know, that's fair. I forget where we were. We were the um, cuddling. The, well, the cuddling the too. Cu- yeah, right. Like that you know, Virginia Satir, who was like a. a sorry, it was oh, like good. a family therapist. She was a family therapist. And, yep. You know, heavily into touch, and she would you know um have the whole family there and for emphasis like this is going to sound wrong and you might take it she would like touch dad's knee right that doesn't mean anything she's just emphasizing you know connection with dad right Right. and And then then she starts to gyrate on dad (laughs) (laughs) that's it that was in her later years she didn't know what she was doing this That's a senile this retirement. Was, this was at the retirement home, right? Right. No, this okay. Was but she, she was so she would touch right. dad's knee, or she'd put, you know, a, a, touch the mother on, the, on her shoulder or something, and right. like try to make connection with family members. And yes. she uh, came up with a thing. You know, we need so many hugs a day for survival, and yep. so many hugs a day for whatever. Yep. And so maybe cuddling, maybe people who hire a cuddler do better, right? Well, that's absolutely like there's. Um, well, two things on that. One is that like the like the oxytocin release that you get right. from physical touch right. is so key. And like if you look at like attach, if we're talking about like attachment theory stuff, like babies who have more uh, like skin to skin touch mm-hmm. with their with you know their caregivers, that's such an important thing developmentally for 
that safety and that you know as as those being able to progress but um fuck what was the other thing i was gonna say um oh i don't know shit i don't know but um but yeah oh oh just that just that like i remember when i started going to therapy when i was about 20 years old and i remember that feeling of just i'm with another person who's not judged like that genuine human connection was like i don't know 80 percent of what i loved about it i mean i was figuring things out and i was talking right but it wasn't this like and to be fair i wasn't like you know highly suicidal or like you know in a in a crisis state but it was still like it wasn't this and, and i feel like this is such a strange part of our field where it's like it wasn't this like outcome-based here's an intervention work on it for five minutes a day it was such a more abstract almost artful thing right and then we have this other side where it's like you know we obviously work in this weird science art hybrid field where there is like evidence and there is there is research and there is like which is important but there's also the art connection part right and then the other and and that's a really good point yes that the and you know, also to to have the, it's also an art and a science to sort of document things mm-hmm. in a way that makes sure that you indicate that it was an evidence-based practice, Correct. no doubt. And yet you also may have done these other things that were tickling equally. <laughs> there could have been tickling, maybe it's not so touching. much. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm going to get fired after this, no, but that's you're okay. Not, yeah. You're not. Well, I, I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, well, it, it'll be okay. No, no, you think anyone there listens to this podcast? Oh. I don't think anyone there listens. Oh. But who knows? Maybe, maybe, but I doubt right? it. Right. But you're not yeah. going to get fired. Okay. Um, not for that. This is also, a, this is a comedy podcast. This is <laughs> right, under the humor. umbrella of satire and humor. So. Right, right. Um, so, but that's, but that's uh, true. You're yeah. right. So that, that like, that mixture of like, you need to make sure that when you document that like there is evidence there there was like legitimate practice happening right but also not like the the artisanal part of that right <laughs> when you say there's legitimate practice happening but then also this other stuff right, right. i'm concerned but no 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 you're, well, you're just right more, it's more of the ambiguous human thing right it's, it's the right. it's the less the the less quantifiable part of what therapy exactly is. and you cannot put that into words when you said that when you talked about um I forget what you said that made me think of this, Ethan, but this is, I think, I think we've come to the Sufi gates. Can I just? Please. Uh, okay. So the Sufi gates, there's like four, the ancient Sufis, right, came up with these, um, with these gates. Okay. And the idea was that before you said something, you would, you would have to pass through the gate, right? Ooh. So the first gate was, is it, is it true, okay. right? If it's not true, then you push it back through the gate and you do not say it. Okay. The second gate is, I, I've seen it where there were like three and four. So okay. Anyhow, the second one is, um, is it necessary? Mm, okay. If it's not necessary, you send it back through the gate, right? The third one is, is it beneficial, I believe? Okay. And then the fourth one is, is it kind? Oh. And if it doesn't pass the test for any of those, it's supposed to go back through the gate. But I have discovered a fifth gate that the ancient sufi missed right right? which is is it funny and if it's funny then it supersedes all those other gates and you should just damn well say (laughs) it i do you just have to say it yes that's i love that it's like there's four gates over here and it's all straight and narrow then it's like the fun the fun gate right and then you just need yeah well it it, did it yeah it didn't have to pass these because it's funny that's right that's right um, I love that. Uh, I've never heard of that. I've never heard of the Sufi gates. I don't know where I came across it, but yeah, sometimes there's three, sometimes there's four, but it doesn't really matter because if it's funny, there could be a hundred and, yeah. and all you need is humor. Jump over it. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but I, but part of what I, I think is so interesting about comedy. I remember like I, a long time ago, uh, one of my, I was talking with a friend and he was like, we, we were talking about comedy and he was saying his sister said like comedy is like this false um, virtue that it's not that like it's basically like it's people use it as a way to kind of get away with anything they want to do, which like 
sure you can you can there are people who may that may be somewhat true for um but i i think the way i've come to think about it more is that like human beings have are these defense mechanisms up and we also have these like cognitive structures of way of seeing the world and and somehow comedy shoots through those so like if if like yeah you know so if if someone i'm trying to think of a good example of this um like if a comedian on stage says something that if it was spoken without humor context that i would be like that's that's not true or i don't think so but if i laugh there's something in that that, yeah that is true that's like but it's getting through my defenses right oh that's a good point so it's kind of like it's related to the sufi gate in a way in in its own way yeah and like obviously a lot of comedy isn't necessary um but i think as a whole it is like can you imagine as a society if we didn't have humor oh man like like I don't think I don't think most totalitarian states have a whole lot of like comedy happening, <laughs> you know? Right. Because it's a big part of free speech and the ability to like be honest, right? In in a way, but that's true. Yeah. Okay, something I'm so excited to talk to you about. We have the weird privilege of hearing people's deepest, darkest things. Mm. Um, and. Sometimes we hear things from people and what we say is not what we're thinking. Our response Uh, to a client, which is appropriate and helpful and necessary, what we say is not what is going on inside of you. mm. Um, I will share an example. Uh, So, and this is a a joke I'm I'm trying to work to do on stage, but basically like I had someone come in and uh who had been kind of deteriorating a bit like they had you know had housing and just in terms of functionality she was kind of going downhill and uh she had lost her housing um and she was sort of in a bipolar episode like a manic episode and she comes in all like she was usually pretty depressed and she comes in like very bright and happy she's like i have a i have a boyfriend and i was like oh awesome tell me about him she's like well i met him at the homeless shelter and, uh, you know, we started getting along. And so, you know, he took me back to his tent under the underpass. And uh, and, and uh, so we're together now. And in my head, if this is a friend of mine, I'm like, bitch, tent sex isn't, like, okay. Like, right, that isn't, like, right. like, what are you doing? But as a therapist, that's not my role. Right. And that's weird. Yeah. No, that's true. Right. And you're thinking, like. The therapist part of you is like, oh my gosh, that's good. She made a connection with someone sure. and whatever. But as you said, like for your friend, you're thinking, oh my God, like you met what? Yeah, right. You met a homeless guy in a tent and you went back to his tent. You don't even know this sex? guy. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. She yeah. got pregnant from that guy actually. Oh. Yeah. But like, but in, in even the like. And a hell of a therapist you are, <laughs> Ethan. I'm responsible. Aren't you proud of yourself now? They named the baby Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> good. good one but, but oh, like what what do you do I, yeah. how do you navigate that um mm. and i'm not saying this so people here and they're like oh every therapist is judgmental right, right, right. it's more just like you know it's our role isn't as a friend to, to intervene in that way so how do you navigate that yeah that that is hard and i'm trying to think too i'm trying to be honest and yet think um, <laughs> no i'm trying to think like because you're right, we don't want people to think, oh my God, when I go to see a therapist, they have this other layer of, and they're thinking like, oh my God, what did you just do, right? Right, right. But, so I pro- I might say something about, I mean, it's so hard because you don't want to, you know, you want to emphasize people's strengths, right? Yes, you want yes. to be positive and she had been down and now she's got a bounce in her step mm-hmm. and so on mm-hmm. maybe she needed to have sex with the homeless guy in the tent and have a baby named ethan right <laughs> maybe she did and who are we to judge so i think right, right. probably what i do is as soon as i start wanting to say and you know like anything else when you're tired when you're overworked when yeah. you're 
when you're hungry, when you're lonely, distracted, yeah. lonely, when you, your cuddler canceled at the last <laughs> minute or whatever, yeah. you're like, you're not at your best, right? So, or when your mind wanders and you're like, oh crap, what just happened that yep. I, I know I missed something, right? Mm-hmm. For a second. Mm-hmm. So I try to be as genuine as, as possible and ask possibly just to rein in my immediate reaction, mm-hmm. maybe to rein it in and think like, look, you can't look, bitch, you can't. You cannot judge this person for that, yes. right? It's like this is where she is, and this is what. And maybe sometimes you having sex and having connection with someone in the homeless tent and having a little bouncing baby boy <laughs> named Ethan is is good, right? Yes, like maybe that's what she needed. And, I don't right, know. Right, right, and I love that. I love that because, like, one, there's a big difference between like a friend, like a friend or a, a spouse or anybody who's in your life. It's just a different relationship than a therapist. But I, I think that one of one one of the parts of our role, when like the idea of a therapist or a counselor, or psychologist, I love the the non judgmental blanket, and it like wherever you stand on God or any of that i love this it's to me it's almost like a divine thing of like this is a place where you will not be judged right. where you will be able to bring whatever is happening and that because it's happening let's that we like let's just allow it and shine a light on it and figure out what you want because the point i'm not the one having sense sex she is right and whether i think that's good or not like i can have an opinion if she asks me i can be honest but that's very different than just being like you're bad, you're wrong, you're stupid, you're ugly, right. you're fat, you're you're right. you know. Um, so that's how I try and shift my head when I start noticing I'm getting very because of course ju- therapists can feel judgmental right. at times, but you know I think that that's the the realigning that I try and do. I think that's awesome. And the other part of it is, as you said, it's a different relationship. So wouldn't it be cool if we could go from this almost sacred space where mm. it feels like sometimes we're in the presence of the divine mm-hmm. and actually the people in our lives, our fiancés or partners or siblings or mm-hmm. parents or whoever can get the best of us too. Right. Oh, where it's yeah. like where they can, where we don't have to judge them and be like, what the hell? Well, why did you do that? Mm-hmm. Well, why did you, you know? And it's like, and just be kind yeah. with them too. But it's so, I think it's hard because often the other, you know, the, the work takes priority and sometimes our clients get the the best, best of, us. of us. Yeah. Well, and we don't, we're not there. There is some level of like, you know, you don't, you can't just divorce from your work self. Like you carry it a little bit, but they're not in our lives. Right. Like I don't wake up and, and see them, you know, as my neighbor or like whoever, you know, so, right. so there's something clean about that. Right, where it's right. easier for me to be non-judgmental for an hour. Exactly, but right. With my right, brother or my right. fiance, it's harder. Right. Because, like you said, the hungry, angry, lonely, tired, having right. tickled thing, we're not always at our best with the people we love. Right. Um, but it's so. But I agree with you. Like that. Oh, if we could be more that way as people, wouldn't that be wonderful? Well, and as you were saying that, I realized that one way I've stayed sane, aside from trying to, you know, the agency I, we worked at mm-hmm. is on a wonderful bike trail that goes all the way to Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. right? So um, I usually don't do that, although I, <laughs> I want break. to, right, right. <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm sorry, just tell them I went all the way to yeah. Washington, right? Yeah. But, um, but you, you know, just to ride on the trail for a little bit mm-hmm. and get out in the fresh air now that the weather's getting nicer, that helps a little bit. Yeah. But also, so... There's this psychologist named Kristen Neff. Have you heard of her? Self-compassion, baby. Yeah. Love her. Exactly. Love I, her. Yeah. I didn't know anything about her. How do you go through school all your adult life and never learn, right? From, I don't, I don't, I think I learned about her from Brené Brown. Okay. I don't think I learned about her in school. Yeah. But anyway. So she's wonderful. And, and her whole study, as you said, is self-compassion. Mm-hmm. So you, do you want to say? No, you go you ahead. You, okay. You, you, you go ahead. So the, uh. I don't know again how it probably there's a there's also a podcast or something called Sounds True okay. and they have all of these people on and uh, so I think they mentioned or maybe there was a book they recommended and Kristen Neff was in it anyhow mm-hmm. she's a psychologist whose dissertation was on self compassion and that's her whole thing mm-hmm. and so the 
and she does TED Talks and all kinds of things about self-compassion, mm-hmm. right? And the so there's three parts to it. The first part is like mindful awareness of your suffering. The second part is uh, the common, common humanity, humanity, right? Yeah. That other that other people are in a similar situation. And the third part is being kind to yourself. Mm-hmm. And so using that, and I've used it in groups and different, and, and then she keeps adding new stuff to her website. She has a website. It's like, um, I guess, Kristen, if you Google Kristen F. Self-Compassion Exercises. Yeah. So there's guided practices at the top. And then at the bottom, there are exercises like how would you treat a friend yep. and so on. But the guided practices are awesome. And she keeps adding to it like um, protective self-compassion. There's one mm. called Fierce Friend that's like a, um, a guided visualization thing. And it's all, it, it sounds ridiculous, but in her research, she found that, um, and, and so the a key part of the self-compassion break is like compassionate self-touch, mm-hmm. which may may sound a lot like tickling or, or, or just or hiding a cuddler. Sure, I was going to say, or masturbation, like or compassionate there, self-touch. There you go, exactly. Maybe that's, well, sure. That, I don't know if that's how it was based or not, but it, the way Kristen tells us, right, is putting your hands over your heart. Yes. And what she found was that that was as effective as a sit-down meditation practice at redu- at reducing stress. Yeah. So they measured it. it uh, instead of releasing adrenaline and cortisol, people were releasing oxytocin and um, opiates. Mm-hmm. And so if we could if we could bottle that stuff, like the Purdue brothers never would have had to like kill all those people, oh my right? God. Yeah, I know. So it's like that, and, and opiates, natural opiates. Yeah. But um, and then you have like obviously it's not appropriate for some people, and I had somebody say, and don't even bring up that fucking self compassion break today, and I just started laughing because it was so good funny, for you. right? That's it's awesome. like, oh my god, yes, you can't. I, and I said I wasn't going to today, but you know, so the. The effing self-compassion break is really helpful. And then a, a bunch of varieties of them. And so even if you can't do it just to think of yourself. So I think what I'm trying to say is that by doing, by using these things in mm-hmm. a group setting, mm-hmm. I think it helps me also. Oh, so absolutely. So throughout the day, I'm like getting my opiates on right. without <laughs> anyone knowing, right? right. Or without no, no needle marks. Right, right, <laughs> right. And I'm just happy as can be. Yeah. I, oh, I love that you brought her up. I, because I think that our, our culture's narrative, the Western narrative is one of like, of winning and of pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and John Wayne and like this domination like in some ways i think trump embodied some of some of that in terms of like this being on top and right. strength and and working your ass off and and not to say there's bad like working hard is bad like absolutely working hard is and and not that saying being wealthy or successful it's not that it's that there's this like relentlessness of like do more do more you need to be doing more work right. harder right. and in like the the response to inner failures is like shame and anger and and almost I would call like inner abuse, right? Yeah. Like if you think about how an external person would respond. Right. And one of the things that I love that she found was that like people who practice self-compassion are actually more productive. So the oh, very thing that we get worried about that like if I'm just kind to myself, am I just going to be lazy and eat Cheetos right. all day? Right. Like, that's not actually what it is. It's not a license to just be a dick. Right. But it's a way of connecting and and being kind and saying, like, I'm not alone in this. And that response is powerful. So you just hopped up all day on, on kindness. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is not to say you can't also eat cheetahs. No, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Please. <laughs> but what you said about, the, about Mr. Trump, like, you're right. I think that kind of thing embodied... Um, Sort of like, I don't know how, you know, like narcissistic abuse mm-hmm. of childhood, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're mm-hmm. like told you're a piece of shit, you're never going to amount to anything. And then it's like, oh my God, I'm going to work my way to the top and, and I'm going to whatever. And mm-hmm. I would also maybe challenge the idea that he worked real hard. Well, but of course. I know. Course. So I'm not, but he's not, not, the full not to bash Mr. Trump in any way. We can, it's or, okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I wasn't sure no. the audience was, right? It but, doesn't matter. You can say no. whatever you want. So, <clears throat> But so the idea, right, that we're that 
you're a piece of shit and you have to do this and you have to and in your your worth is also measured by achievement yes. right yes and that or, or by concrete things that we deem necessary whether you have an unhappy marriage or whether you have whatever right like work 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 at all costs and that's exactly right and mm-hmm. i i think of mr putin too with yeah this thing and like this whole thing and it's like and obviously it's naive to to feel like you know if we if we would only say the loving kindness intention for uh, Mr. The, Putin, the let him be happy, healthy, and at peace, right? right? It's like that would not possibly solve the world's issues. But <sighs> yeah, like something, you know, it's not like negative. At least we can do it one person at a time, right? Well, right, right. And, and then that also goes back to like if you like the people you interact with, you're like, you know, tending to the part of the garden you can touch. And also, if you have kids like that, because like that, I mean, I, I don't know if you would agree with this. Do you think most people have a sort of inherent inner critic that is like that, that is like, you're a piece of shit. You like, you should be doing better. You like, you're like, um, kind of that is like the motivator for them. I don't know about most people. I think a lot of people. Okay. A lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, Um, for sure. But it, but regardless, you bump up against pain and negativity in the world. Like that's just part of being a person. Right. And so those messages we internalize, whether it's like getting bullied in school, right. or if you have like a home life that's painful and abusive, or um, it doesn't even have to be what like comparatively would be called like a big T trauma. It can just be like you you internalize those messages. So self compassion is like an alternative way to interact with yourself. Right. No, I think that's true. And Or people who, uh, you know, like um, racial trauma and oh, not man. even when you think of like, not even microaggressions, but aggression aggressions, yes. right? Yes. Or but probably macroaggressions and mm-hmm. so on. And like folks who face things on a daily basis that, you know, whether it harkens back to earlier trauma or not, it's still like so powerful yes. and so... And you're right. It's like this this message from someone that mm-hmm. you're not good enough, or I don't approve of you, or something. You don't belong. So you don't belong. Right. We don't want you. Right. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And 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 I think it's hard because you're right to go back to that sense of like if you told like um, someone who is like experiencing racial trauma like that, just being like, just uh, put your hand over your heart, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> like right. there's something that feels inadequate about that, and there is because right. it's like you, you systemically and uh evolutionarily like where we are as people is like that isn't enough but it is a way of like trying to foster love and like i think of like safety within right versus when there when there isn't as much safety no exactly right and i think i think i have used it with folks who have experienced racial trauma Mm -hmm. and so on and after we've gotten to know each other yeah there's a therapeutic alliance and they trust me and so on and it has been helpful but i always kind of do it tentative tentatively well, right and, and, val's and, white if you haven't if you haven't picked up on that <laughs> <laughs> but of course you should and i'm like let me tell you because i am a white person yeah. so i clearly know all about the trauma that you have been experiencing right. from my lofty perch <laughs> in in whiteville in where i sides. grew up in the suburbs and right. whatever right me too. So it's me like, too yeah but it's like but i think even if we haven't felt it we know it and and, you know, I was going to say it hurts us. It doesn't hurt us like it hurts the no. people who are being targeted no. by a long shot, right? No. But we're aware of it, and which is, you know, I think the minimum you can be mm-hmm. as a therapist. And yes. I don't know how you cannot yes. be aware of people suffering in the world and what they go through as a therapist if you're not kind of woke, right? Well, it, it, right. I, I think that, like, you know the the things i think about with that is like i if if the requirement to help someone is that you've gone through the same thing then we are out of shit out of luck right there's too many things (laughs) we'd all be dead right right and and so like there has to be a a way for us to connect to the heart of the suffering and and more than and that and also just being humble and listening and and present with the person and it's obviously also like i've had um whether I'm working with like a female on sexual trauma stuff that she's been through or someone of a different race, I've had people say like, 
you know, either I'm not really comfortable talking about this with you and I'm like, that's fine. Like, right. Like, right. please don't do that if you don't want, if you if that feels too far. But I've also heard people say things like there can be a healing of having a positive interaction with someone who has looks like the oppressor. Um, but anyway, all that to say, like, yeah, like we at a base level, part of our job is to be aware and open to the sufferings of people. Not that we need to know every single thing that's going on in every right. nook and cranny of the world, but like, um, but we have to be. Because otherwise, like, we're either going to just think this isn't that big a deal or they're lying or this doesn't matter. And that's the worst. Right. Right. No, you said a lot of, said a lot of powerful things there. It's true. And to, and to, uh, and I would, ne- it, I never offer any of these things as if like, oh, well, here, let me look in my handy bag of tricks. And, sure. You know, this will fix you. Right. right. It's like, right. that's the stupidest thing in the world. But yeah. as you're, as you're talking, you're hearing things. It's like, well, here's something that might help. You mm-hmm. know, do you want to try it for a few minutes and see what, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, but I usually don't say it until I think they're going to say yes. Cause I'm sure. Cause I don't like rejection. Either. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, no, I know what you mean. I know. What you, but there's also that, like, you know, someone trusting you enough to know that, like, you are bringing that to them. Not just because you're like, not even just because this is my job, because it's okay that it's your job, but that like, it's just like, well, just try this, just fucking try this thing. <laughs> that they that there's a sense of like that you are connecting and caring with where they are. Right. Not that I just like, well, here's the manual, right? The right. manual says like refer to. So, hold on, I gotta read this. It says refer to. Uh, mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here, okay. Well, okay, this question, then we'll do some rapid fire. So, if someone. If someone was like, Val, I'm thinking about being a therapist, what's what what's one thing I need to know? Or what's one thing I might not know? What would you tell them? Hmm. Or psychologists, you know, right? Yes. Now. A doctor. A, do- a doctor. doctor. <laughs> hmm. Oh, my. I would, um, oh. I would ask, I think I would ask what they would, what, Tell me more. I mm-hmm. think I'd say, tell me more about that. Why, what, what is it about being a therapist, counselor, psychologist, whatever that you, that you would like? Yeah. Right? And then I think the, it, it's, it's challenging, right? Because mm-hmm. it, it's also, you know, and as you said, some of the issue is with the, just the way it's set up. Yes. The, the, the healthcare system in the U.S. is broken. Oh and the people at the bottom level, nurses, nurses, assistants, therapists, counselors, social workers, they're the ones that it's the the brunt gets put on. Right. And these massive regulations that uh, that trickle down, trickle down, trickle down. The implication on an individual in that field is it's terrible. But not even an individual. Uh, right. But not even an individual in the field, but an individual like a person seeking a, a help, client, right? Yes. And our clients often have, you know, they're on medical assistance or mm. they are, uh, you know, they don't have a ton of money yeah. generally. I mean, you can go to a community mental health sure. place and, and you know, have and be working and so on. And, and some fine. people do that. Right. And some people do. And what I like about it is that everything's right there. You know, you have supported employment if, if you want to start looking for a job. Mm-hmm. You have um, service coordination as part of it. There's a bunch of different parts but in general there's no parity with mental health and physical health no. anyhow no. right and then community mental health agencies are trying to compete with private practice where people quit to make three times mm-hmm. as much money so how do you you know so there has to be something compelling about it or you have to be really bad or <laughs> you have to be really dedicated yeah. right or you just um, or you're not licensed or something, right? Mm-hmm. Or all of the above. Right. But um, so I don't know. I think I would encourage them to, to someone who aspires to go into the field, I would encourage them to think about what they want to achieve mm. and how they might do it and how much time they want to take to get it yeah. done. And if there's another way, you know, if there's anything else they might do mm-hmm. or if this is really you know, if this is what they have, if 
this is what they settle on, then like have a plan for how you yeah. do it, maybe. Yeah. I, I was listening to um, one of my favorite comedians, Pete Holmes. He has a podcast and was talking to another, an actress. Um, and I think, wait, uh, Yvonne Nicole Brown. Uh, she's and, and she was talking about like in the same way that when someone says like, I want to be an actor, that's her question oh. is like, tell me more why. Because if you're just casually saying that, like, that's fine. You can have casual interest, but like any type of field like that, like that there is the requirement of you is high, whatever. And, and that's true of mo- like many fields. It's not unique to us, but it's just like if you like are just like, well, I just want to help people. It's like you got to have some more legs than that. Like that's not going to carry you <laughs> five, ten years. Um, right. Not that you can't learn and develop. It's not that, but just like. You need some gut. You need some some juice in the tank. Um, that'll that'll be in the hard times, right? Um, yeah. And that's a good way of putting it. And also, are you doing it because of your own issues, which many of us did sure. and do, right? It's like you want to figure out your own stuff. Well, that's good, but mm-hmm. you need to do it and not take it out on the clients, right? yeah. Because we all know bad therapists. I'm sure who mm-hmm. are. Maybe not, maybe not bad intention. You know, their intentions are not bad. Sure, but uh, you know, yeah, they're not conscious of some of their motives, and maybe not the best. Yeah, no, um, I therapists. Man, I mean, I'm sure we could tell some stories about that. I, I, but we, of course, not us. We, we don't have any issues. Ethan yeah, yeah, and yeah. I are excellent whole? therapists. I feel very whole. <laughs> yes, uh, we're, we're no, but quite but. Whole. I remember being in grad school and, and um, like a professor asking like, who here has been to therapy? Mm-hmm. About half of us. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Like, and not that, that was just baffling to me. That like, how do you like know what it's going to be like being on the other side if you haven't been on this side of the table? And, and haven't, you know, worked through, because every single person has a cluster of, stuff right um it isn't even to say it's like you're diagnosably something it's just you're a person and if you're not aware if you're not mindful of like how your childhood your beliefs your your thoughts your pains your relationships hawkeye don't bite just gentle he likes to take liberties where they where they are <laughs> uh but um but yeah no i i love that answer i think just you know needing needing to know a deeper why What's the deeper why? Right. And I mean, how do you, without having either been in therapy yourself or, I don't know that therapy is for everyone, but something like yoga or mm-hmm. something that you've realized okay. that you have, as you said, a cluster of things from childhood and mm-hmm. how are you going to work through them? Not that anything's ever completely resolved, right? But how do you get some kind of handle on it so mm-hmm. that you are okay enough to not take out your things on these people who are coming to you for yes. help. Right? Yes. But, right. Which right. is an ongoing thing. Maybe. It is. I think it is. I think it is. Like I've I've been in and out of therapy myself for about ten years, depending on the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that like there's there's no way to divorce you as a being and as a therapist. Like you're gonna bring yourself in the room, but. But I, I unfortunately have heard and seen of people who it's like they just make therapists that make it about them um, or th- or like that um, are more like moralizing the other person saying like what you're doing, like, you know, with like homosexuality stuff being like what you're doing is wrong or evil. Uh-huh. Um, and even if you believe that, it's like, OK, but I could I could riff on that for an hour. Um but anyway, I, I think that that's an important thing to be to be able to actually help someone because otherwise it's going to be muddled at best. Right, right. And th- even the best therapists, sometimes we're not at our best or no. therapy changes yeah. over time. Like when okay, I, had a, I had seen a good therapist for a few years and then one time um, she got mad at me because I didn't appear to be listening to her oh. and I didn't listen to what and I'm thinking huh and then i think the next time i was chewing gum and that wasn't okay and i'm like i think i've had enough therapy <laughs> i think i got what i need thank you <laughs> thank yeah. you very much i will be i will be on i'll see myself out now thank right, you right. right and that's our time <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, some some last kind of lightning round questions. So, how if if you're alone, what do you do to make yourself laugh? Like, what are things that you do that are make yourself laugh? Did we mention the self compassion break already? <laughs> the tickling. What, what, do I, what do I do when I'm alone? That's funny. Um, hmm. I I mean probably. I talk to myself mm-hmm. sometimes, which is ridiculous. No, it's but not. But I'll also imitate my cat, Howler, uh, and I'll be like, that. hi, Mama, I'm Howler, and I want to, you know, or I'll, yeah. so I love alone, that. I'm often not alone because there's often a cat there. Yes. Because I have two kittens or ju- whatever, junior cats, they're under two, uh-huh. and a 14, 15-year-old senior cat. Right. So there's often a feline present, but... um. So if I, what do I do to make myself laugh? I, I don't, I don't know. I'll, I'll think of something ridiculous, yeah, or just something that's so ridiculous, right, mm-hmm. the, and, and outrageous, and then I'll be like, that's kind of funny, yeah, right? um, yeah, because I, I just have a twisted mind. Well, that- uh, we all do, <laughs> we all do. Um, I, I hear the the animal voice thing. I, I'm with you on that. It's ridiculous. Like the words. Do you make up words? Or like, do you? Make, I'm not that creative, no. I don't know if I'd call it creative. A twisted is, uh, <laughs> but um, well, how about this one? What do you do when you need? And this isn't to make yourself laugh, like in a that sense, but when you're like, man, I need a good laugh. What do you go to? Oh, well, let me think. Like this could be movies, shows, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, people for um inside jokes, you know. My gosh, what do I do when I need a good laugh? Uh, I gotta think about it, Ethan. All I right. gotta think about it. Okay. I think uh, 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 I will probably go to the cats. I think I would mm. refer to the cats again, and mm-hmm. I'll look at them, and they'll just be so weird and yep. so ridiculous, and they'll be one minute fighting and doing the Godzilla thing where they look like they're gonna kill each other, and then the next minute they're cuddling or whatever, which doesn't sound funny, but so. Uh, humor. Yeah. There's always podcasts such as your such podcast, as this one, such as this one. See, yeah, right. <laughs> or, um, and maybe not to uh, to make myself laugh. I don't know, but to make uh, to make myself happy. Yep, sure. I will uh, sing, which is ridiculous, yeah. You sing, yeah. Oh, I sing when I'm alone a lot too. Yeah, yeah. That's I, wonderful. Yeah, I sang. Uh, I sang uh, part of. Uh, Hamilton on the way here Ooh. on my bicycle. Well, you and my brother <laughs> would get along. Like... My younger brother so loves. Just... Hey, right. who cares? Right, right. And then to see a weirdo on a bike singing too is like, Ugh. you know. Did you? I remember when I was kind of. I think it was in college. I started realizing like, oh, I I'm getting less self conscious about singing. Just just like not not like in front of people, just right. around. And I was like, I love that. It's such a lovely feeling to be like, it's okay if people hear me. Right. It's not the end of the world, and it's delightful. And I think it's, yeah, and I'm older than you are, and it's like, it just gets better, right? Because yeah. you kind of, I'm like my cat, Rosie, I don't give a shit sometimes, right? <laughs> yeah. And I just, you just don't give a shit. It's like, whatever, like, this is how it is. I don't have yeah. to prove anything anymore, yes. and I don't have to, like, you know, go out places and, you know, get dressed up and go mm-hmm. see people. I just, not that I don't ever go out, but it's, yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. sort of but, not but about like, the... I'm okay in my own skin, right? Kind of right. most of the time. You don't have to right? create an image for people to like, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, I I I love that. I remember when I was in my early twenties, very anxious, very depressed, and I remember someone I trusted was like, "You're gonna like your thirties because you just don't care as much, and you're a little more settled, a little more okay, and it kind of keeps going like that. Uh, your body will ache a little more, which it does, but there's like less of that, just like ain't antsy who am i and do people like me that's still there right but um yeah uh and I'm, i love that hawk i mean right now literally my dog hawkeye is like <laughs> fl- he, he flops on the ground and he puts his head down and his ass in the air he's chewing on val he just he wants, yes he is he's he wants us to be me. done i know he's <laughs> mauling me hawkeye am i am i taking up that, your time with daddy I'm oh sorry. man i'm sorry sir. last question then we'll, yes, we'll get you out of here uh so I always ask people when they come on, what's one nugget of wisdom that you just, if you could give it to people, um, it doesn't have to be profound, just it could be something really simple, but what's one nugget of wisdom that you found meaningful? It should probably be 
be a short answer. Like doesn't have to be. No, 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 no. So I used to twenty years ago. I I started reading the book "Don't Sweat the Small Stuff" and it's all small stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you son of a bitch, you don't understand. It's not all small stuff. That's just an excuse for people who want to, you know, blah blah blah. Don't want to work or so. I don't know what I had. I had some excuse for it, right? Okay. And then um, lately, somebody gave me the daily calendar for my desk. And it's really good stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And it's true. Like, we make so much out of so many things, and it's not that important. So maybe, like, I don't know, pick your battles or mm. or be kind to yourself mm-hmm. or just be, you know, did it just see the humor in things because mm. things are funny. Even, yeah. the, even the most dire of circumstances, right? Like, mm-hmm. not at the time, and obviously they're, they're – horrible things that you're not going to see the humor in right but something that seems so devastating at the time which is really about like ego or you're Mm -hmm. embarrassed or something and then later it's like oh that was pretty funny that was okay yeah it wasn't too bad oh i love that yeah what i think it's like trash the comedy equals tragedy plus time oh that's i I think think i've heard that yeah uh that's true but I love that. So, like, so kind of just like a, it's a lot about like that perspective shifting, of like of of when when being able to see that so many things aren't as horrible or as massive as if like just being able to have some levity, right, and and take yourself a little less seriously, right. It's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being on, Val. Thank you for having me. You're a delight. She Val was worried she wasn't going to be funny, and that was not the case, right? <laughs> the host is funny. It was, it's hard this, not to be funny with Ethan here. Yeah, and this and this ridiculous attic that we're in. Where this but, is a lovely, thank lovely you. Office. We're oh, it's it's coming together. I wanna, but um, yeah. Um, so that's it. We're done. So thanks for coming. Thank you very much for having me. All right.